This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. Later in the show, we're going to talk to two veterans who also serve in uh, the legislature. We're going to talk about Donald Trump and his relationship with veterans. Donald Trump, of course, says he loves America's veterans and is insisting that he would be the best commander-in-chief to take care of them, look out for their interests. But in recent weeks, we have seen him take after veterans and their families uh, in a way that that seems strange and odd for a presidential candidate. Uh, We're going to talk about that with those two uh, members of our legislature, one Democrat, one Republican. And, of course, we're going to want to hear from you, especially if you are are a veteran. How are you receiving the messages that Donald Trump is sending during this presidential campaign? Do you think he is the guy to look out for your interests? Or do you think he's either exploiting veterans' interests or is just attacking veterans and their families in an inappropriate way? Uh, we'll want to, you'll want to Tune in for that uh, a little later in the show at about 9.30. And again, give us a call uh, if you want to participate in that conversation. Up first, yesterday's primary election saw many incumbents winning renomination to the state house and to Congress. It was also a night of a few big surprises. A couple of Republicans who call themselves political outsiders upset more establishment candidates with more legislative experience. Is this a sign that the November election will be a referendum on so-called career politicians? Here to help us sort it out is Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Did you, Good, uh, thanks, how are you? What time did you get to bed last night watching Returns? Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was quite late, although a lot of the races seemed to be um, uh, wrapped up pretty early. Yeah, I mean, it was I was I was probably asleep by eleven thirty or so. It mm-hmm, seemed like mm-hmm. everything was uh, was gonna was gonna be the way it was at that point. Uh, yeah. L- let's talk first about the prospects of Democrats being able to retake the state house. That's one of the narratives that has unfolded this year uh, in the in the campaign. The results last night seemed to make that tougher. Talk about why. Um, because we saw a few races where the Democrats preferred candidates, uh, um, the ones that they thought were going to be stronger going into the general election, um, fell to um, upstarts, you yeah. know, uh, Bernie Sanders types who... Um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I, I guess, in the minds of the Democratic establishment, uh, you know, hijacked the primary, and uh, you know, we'll see how they uh, how they play in November. But uh, yes, it does seem like their path to picking up nine seats is at least a little bit harder um, this morning. Yeah, and and that uh, that strain of upstarts. Uh, knocking off more establishment candidates was sort of a theme for the whole night, uh, not just in the state house on the Democratic side, uh, but in Congress uh, on the Republican side. I know side. what you're thinking about. Yeah, right. Uh, you're, thinking, you're, 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 you're thinking about the first congressional district <laughs> first and district. the tenth congressional district. Up north, where boy, that I, was going to be a race between um, two longtime politicians, um, incumbent state senator Tom Casperson and former state senator uh, Jason Allen, who. That district was basically drawn for that. Yeah. Traverse City was put into it to make that a, a, a friendly district for him, and and now Jason Allen has lost it twice to, uh, you know, um, you know, you know, coming out of nowhere uh, outsiders. First Dan Beneshek, and now this uh, former General Bergman. 
Yeah. And and that race, I mean, uh, when I talked to people uh, all week, uh, people were talking about Bergman making a surge, uh, Bergman right. making a very different case from Kasperson and Allen. But I'm not sure I talked to anybody who thought he might win. Uh, not, it's, it's you know what? Not at the beginning, although um, I, I was warned by someone watching it that um, we should we should keep an eye on him, that that could happen. And, and like you know, like we just pointed out that that's happened already in that district once. And uh, I guess, you know, it, 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 it'll, it'll kind of change how we view the first congressional district and uh, the people that it sends to Congress that uh, they're, you know, that, that, that they like, um, you know, that they like outsiders. And we saw the same thing happen in the thumb with the 10th, although sure. it's a little bit different that, that, that Paul Mitchell, a largely self-financed businessman, um, ran and I'm not a politician campaign. All, you know, I'm not a professional politician. Although, considering the fact that he had already, you know, run for the fourth, was interested in the, being the Republican State Party chairman, that he was in danger of becoming a professional political candidate had he not uh, won this. <laughs> yeah, uh, talk about the the Mitchell Pavlo race. Uh, Paul Mitchell puts almost three million dollars of his own money. Uh, mm-hmm. Into the campaign. If you watch TV at all here in uh, Southeast Michigan, you've seen his commercials. I mean, he he was up on the air uh, very aggressively. Uh, but Phil Pavlo, uh, uh, a current member of the the state legislature, who had the backing of Candace Miller, who is uh, right. the the person vacating the seat, uh, takes a pretty pretty bad beating from from Mitchell in that race. Well, he, he did, and, and it was just a classic shock and awe political campaign that, that, that Paul Mitchell bombarded the airwaves with his ads and said that uh, I'm an outsider, and we know that in this election cycle, that seems to be the theme that uh, that sells. So, so if I'm a Republican uh, on the national level looking at these results in Michigan last night, I, I, maybe I'm a little more emboldened about the presidential race, uh, thinking that you, you've got voters in in several areas of the state really going for this idea of uh, the outsider, pushback against uh, the establishment, uh, not just on the Republican side, but again, as you said, on the Democratic side. Is this an opening for the Donald Trump campaign to make Michigan more competitive in November? Well, I, uh, that, you know... The people who participate in primaries, it's like one in five voters, and it's just a sliver sure. of people who are likely to vote in the general election. So you've got to be careful about using the primary as a barometer for what's going to happen in the general. So now, all those caveats aside, yeah, if you're, um, you know, if you're an establishment uh, candidate of, of either party, I think you kind of have to look at the, at the primary and go... What's going on with my base and how do I secure it to, uh, you know, to, to get them out in the in the general election? Because, you know, at least among the people who we would typically consider the party stalwarts, there seems to be a, a, a real sense of wanting to shake things up. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the first district up north, the first congressional district. Because uh, that's the funnest one. I, I think that's going to be quite a race this fall. Uh, Lon Johnson, former uh, Democratic Party chair, uh, does mm-hmm. come out on the Democratic side. Now he faces Jack Bergman. Uh, it, it's sort of a it's sort of a rematch of in, in, in ideals, I guess, uh, of the last two elections that we've seen up there, where Jerry Cannon 
faced Dan Beneshek, uh, Jerry Cannon always sort of seemed to come up short on money. He seemed in the last weeks of the of the campaign to not be able to get his message out as widely as he wanted. I don't think that'll mm-hmm. be as much of a problem for Lon Johnson. Uh, his wife is, of course, a, a big Well, Jerry, Jerry Cannon wasn't a serious candidate in this cycle, in part because he did not have Lon Johnson fundraising for him. That's exactly in, right. In, in this cycle. So does that, um, change the, does that change Democratic prospects in that district? In other words, the, the, the money that Lon Johnson will undoubtedly have access to, is that going to be the difference maker uh, it's one of those. It's one of those cases where um, certainly Democratic prospects seem to have improved slightly, in part because the issue of of residency it's not taken off the table, but it can be argued that um, both of them have homes in um, a, a number of places, uh-huh. and so there will. I mean, one of the arguments will be which one of these two candidates, the Democrat or the Republican, Bergman or Johnson have uh, stronger ties to uh, have stronger ties to northern Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's also, and I think a lot of folks here downstate don't realize this, there's a tremendous union influence and culture, uh, particularly in the UP part of uh, of this district, what role are they? The tradition going to be able in Michigan is that people put their time in on the assembly line, and they move to their then they move to their dream home uh, up north sure. to uh, hunt and fish and shovel snow in the winter. What influence do we think that uh, that union influence is going to have on the general election? It it didn't on the Republican side seem to help. Uh, Tom Casperson, who is is not uh, always allied with the unions, but has helped them out before they got behind him pretty big uh, in the primary, it didn't seem to matter. Well, it's one of the reasons why Tom Casperson uh, was one of the few Republicans in the legislature to vote against uh, right, right to, to work, work when sure. it came up in the legislature, and 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 that was used apparently effectively, uh, uh, you know, against him in 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 this particular campaign. And so it suggests that that the union influence still exists up there. Uh, the question is how strong is it, and um, and 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 how are those voters going to break um, with it being Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton at the top of the ballot? That uh, you know the Trump campaign and Republicans are hoping to make a play for the you know quote unquote Reagan Democrats. Although I would argue that 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 you know at this point now Reagan Democrats are Republicans. Um, but uh, also, you know, what are the, you know how are they going to break on on other things? That uh, Lon Johnson is going to have a challenge because he is run he is a pro-choice person running in a very pro-life that is anti-abortion district, and for a lot of voters, that's what we call a gateway issue. That 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 they use uh, that particular question to measure candidates on a wide variety of issues that aren't necessarily related to abortion, you know, but, but, you know, taxes, gun rights, things like that. And so the challenge for Lon Johnson is going to be to go out and convince people that um, he is with them on a variety of other issues, um, um, excluding the one there where he's in disagreement with probably a majority of the district. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Rick Pluta, Capital Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Uh, Rick, give me, give me some idea of where my attention will be most bemused 
this fall uh, based on what happened yesterday. Uh, we talked about the we haven't talked about the fact that John Conyers uh, won very easily. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's not going to be um, uh, on the radar. Not that it would have been anyway, because it's such a Democratic district. But right, but where am I going? No, the, the, the race there was the primary, and right. uh, Janice Winfrey. Uh, I think there was uh, early on some expectation that she might turn it into a race, and it just never transpired. Yeah, I think again, money uh, tended to be one of well, the money issues and, there. And, and and Conyers is an iconic figure in Detroit and in the African American community that that plays such a huge role in Detroit elections. Um, and what we saw was that voters in Detroit, even though Conyers had been around for a very, very long time and in many respects is is kind of absent in, in, in local issues, um, nevertheless remains an iconic figure. Yeah, yeah. All right, so so where am I going to get my kicks this fall, election-wise, Rick? Where, where well, I, I, I think the first congressional <laughs> district will be uh, will certainly be um, one to watch. Yeah. Um, now, what about I think the seventh. Uh, I was going to say the the uh, seventh. We will see if Gretchen, if Gretchen Driscoll can turn it into a race with uh, Tim Wahlberg. Uh, like I said, in a in a year where voters seem to be inter- you know all across the map seem to be uh, interested in uh, in upsetting things i think that Wahlberg will be very difficult to unseat but uh you know this this is a year where strange things uh, seem to be seem to be happening yeah. um and um not in the fall but you know we're going to have an an, an interesting little imbroglio play out in the 8th congressional district where right, right. the winner of the primary last night <laughs> is now going to try and get her name off the ballot that's uh <laughs> Melissa Gilbert, um, um, right? um child star Melissa Gilbert who democrats were really hoping would uh, be able to um you know create a uh, would be able to mount a strong challenge based largely on name id and fundraising prowess and as it turned out she was very good at the latter and pretty awful at the former and so now she's going to basically turn in a doctor's note to try and get off the ballot (laughs) that has never been done in michigan before (laughs) that's right and so um republicans are going to put up a fight and say nope you know it's 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 you know, it's it's got to be you, late, and, and you gotta we do will it. we yeah. will see what elections officials uh, do with that. Yeah. Okay, Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief at the Michigan Public Radio Network. As always, thanks for being with us. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Stephen. Yep. Okay, up next, we're going to talk to two war veterans and current members of the state legislature, one Republican and one Democrat, about how vets are affected by the presidential campaign and the rhetoric of Donald Trump. And we want to hear from you, especially if you are a veteran. Are you hearing the things he's saying and responding positively, or are you cringing? 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.